Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Main Idea Podcast. And now your host, creator of the Ski System and Trainer of the Year nominee, Abe Maynard. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Main Idea Podcast, where today I sit down with UFC lightweight contender, holder of the record for the fastest knockout in UFC lightweight history, and All-American freestyle wrestler Terrence McKinney. In 2015, Terrence was pronounced dead twice after a drug overdose that stopped him in his tracks. The video is honestly hard to watch, and I'm thankful that Terrence is alive to tell the story today where he has found his purpose and continues on his relentless journey to become UFC lightweight champion of the world. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Without further ado, the fast and truly powerful Terrence McKinney. Dude, thank you so much for being here. You're a busy man. I know you're you're knocking people out and you're you got crazy fights going on. So I really appreciate the time taking it to be here with me today, man. Yeah, no problem, man. The pleasure's all mine, man. You know, and that's I think when when I want to do this episode, you could always go with the same old questions, right? About fighting and, and your life. What drew me to you is you just seem like a really good human. Like you've got yourself in the ring and this tenacious person who's like, you're a problem in there. You know, you, you present a serious problem for your opponents, but then you're this incredible person outside. You're doing philanthropy. You just carry yourself with a really real demeanor and you seem very genuine. So how do you balance those two things as a professional fighter? It's just what God called me to do. And I like just giving back, man, because I want to be there for people when they feel like no one's there because I felt that before and just like anything can help. So that's why I do the best I can just to use this platform to the best of my abilities. Do you notice firsthand, like when you do this kind of stuff, when you go and you speak with kids and, and things like that, do you feel that from them right away? Like, do they come up to you after and they're like, yo, Terrence, like this really hits home with me. Thank you so much for being here. Do you get that one-on-one with them? Yes, and I talk to all the fans as much as I can after, like, the view of them, everyone, give them a follow, anything to make these kids feel better and feel loved. I'm all about that. And you said that was because you didn't feel that when you were younger. Yeah. Yeah. What would, like, talk to me about that a little. It's just because, like, you know, kids aren't the brightest. So, like, what I was seeing is different than what uh, everything was feeding off, you know, like, I didn't understand the sacrifice my mom was making. To me, it was just, she was just leaving me at my grandma's house, you know? Right. It's hard to get that perspective when we're kids, huh? When we're kids, you know? It's because they don't want to, like, because we can't understand the stuff they're going through anyways, you know? So so now that I'm older, like, I just, like, I really just, like, this is why I work so hard for it. Because, like, my mom made so many sacrifices for us to have a better life. So I refuse refuse not to give this life 110% to be better. It's incredible, man. It, it, it's crazy. I think about like my parents had me when, you know, my mom had me when she was 22. I think your mom had you when she was 16, right? Correct. And I'm 33 now and I don't have kids. If I had, like, I think about having multiple kids right now and it blows my mind that my parents were able to sideline their life to handle that, to raise a child. 
to be there for someone else, put someone else first. When like, even at 33, I feel like being selfish. Do you talk to your mom about that now? There's nothing we haven't already talked about. So like, uh, we talked about everything. That's like one thing we do as a family. We always talk about the past because it helps you heal, man. And uh, once I got through that, I feel like my life was a lot better. Like once I communicated to my mom as an adult, you know, that's all it really takes to heal. You know, we both put our pride aside and just tell them what really went down. And I probably had that talk to her probably when I was like 15, able to handle it, you know? Right. Now it doesn't bother me at all. So what does, what motivates you when you're in there? Just, just all the sacrifices people made for me. It makes me want to go out there and die for them and just, and show them that like, I'm fearless. Like I refuse to be scared when I'm out there. I'm ready to put everything on the line because I know like I got an army with me when I'm going to war. So yeah, you know, maybe you can unpack just for like, for the guests that aren't entirely familiar with the story, a little bit of what happened on that night when you had the overdose. You're the only person I've ever talked to in my life that's died and let alone twice. And you're still here with us today. Can you walk me through like that experience and maybe some of the things that have stuck with you from that night that push you? when you're in the gym, when you're training, when you're getting ready, the mental preparation? Just, I just know, like, God had, like, uh, something special in mind for me. So I knew I just couldn't give up. You know, I knew I just had to keep picking away until we got to the gold, man, or to the diamond. Um, and like you said, you can't, the pressure has to be put on. And once I saw I died twice, I knew, like, I owed my family so much because I put them through hell, so... I'm trying to bring them heaven now. And that's just been my main motivation after that night. Just to right those wrongs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. If you enjoy this podcast and the guests that I have on, you can support it by checking out my amazing sponsor, Athletic Greens. I started taking Athletic Greens because I've always been a firm believer that health starts at the cellular level. From my competitive years as a skier to my day-to-day physical output, starting my morning with an overload of valuable nutrients is the only way to go. And with my weekly output of jujitsu, surfing, and strength training, cellular nutrition is a non-negotiable for me because I need every leg up I can manage, which is why I won't skip on ingredients and quality. No mystery chemicals and false promises, just pure AG1. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, and it tastes good. And it costs less than $3 a day. Look, if you put in the work, you need to reward your body. So to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs for your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Abe. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash A-B-E to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Can you recall anything from that moment near death? Um, just like I was just part of God. Like, I feel like I was just seeing through his eyes at Kevin. Like what? I mean, I, I know I'm asking you one to go into the past, but two to like really reflect on this cerebral feeling. But in that moment, I would imagine like someone goes through something like that. You just, there's no recollection, right? Like you have no memory of that moment, but there was for you. You're saying like there, there were feelings that you can associate with that night. Yeah. And what did that alignment feel like? 
it was just peaceful. I was just relaxed. And, and so you come out of that and what, like, obviously a lot shifts, right? When these kind of things happen, we go through trauma and it can somewhat put us in our place and, and give us new clarity on like the life around us and, and gives us appreciation for the things that maybe we weren't really appreciating that we had in our life. At that point, you hit a fork in the road, right? And so many people decide to get, st- well, or, or maybe don't decide, but they get stuck uh, in the negative and they get stuck where they are. To do what you did is admirable. How do you choose that you're going to like take your life back in your control, let alone <laughs> go, go to the, the places that you are and then end up in the UFC destined for success? It was it was all credit to God, man. I'm not gonna lie. Like, if it wasn't for God, I don't think I would be here today. And then He just helped me push through so many things, and He helped me forgive so many people that I needed to, and it made me a stronger man today. Cause I had to realize, like, I was seeking the wrong acceptance, you know, for my friends and my peers, and at, and I was and I which I should have been looking for is my family, who's been there since day one, you know searching for the wrong love when it's already always been there, you know? When you say searching for the wrong love, so are you talking kind of about finding maybe loving community outside of your family in friends and social circles and, and, and doing things to be accepted by your peers versus realizing that like at home, you already have everything you needed. Exactly. How do we teach people to do that? It's just the media makes us want to be cool for our friends, make us want to be the popular person. When at the end of the day, people realize that no one even gives a fuck anymore <laughs> once you're growing up. Like no one cares what you're doing. <laughs> Isn't that weird? No one's, no one's judging you. No one's saying nothing. You can live any kind of life you want. And people be so scared to live that life growing up because of the media making everything seem cool or not cool. And when everyone should just love each other and, and let oh, people live black they want to live. How do we get how do we get like parents for president, dude? I mean, for real though, that's it's why is that so hard to teach? Like, I don't understand that. It it seems that we should all just want to do that naturally, right? Like get to know people that you don't understand, treat other people better. That's one thing that like me personally, and maybe you can speak to this, but one thing that I love about like martial arts is it puts everyone on this like level playing field where your opinions, your ideas, whatever kind of things that you have, you just have to leave them off the mat because you're going to get put in your place when you get on the mat. And it's something that like it is a teacher for the rest of life because it, it teaches you how to appreciate other people. Did you feel like like wrestling and mixed martial arts and all of these things played a big role in you kind of like getting back on that road? Or is this a, a decision that you had made prior and then everything was already in your life and you just dove back deeper into that? Uh, I had good goals and stuff, but I just knew I wasn't giving it all I had, you know? And Why not? My mom said, um, because I was taking my blessings for granted. I just knew, like, I was just a little bit different than everyone so I could, like, kind of do stuff that I'm not supposed to do and still, like, perform good. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that's because that comes with pride, you know? Totally. I think you're better than one, and that's what I love about the sport because it humbles you and make you realize if if you're not putting the work in, the guy that's putting the work in, he's gonna get you. So you just felt like maybe your athletic ability 
it kind of just kept you maybe above everyone that you were training with. And so you could kind of get away with stuff that they couldn't, and you could still perform. You could still be dominant on the mats. You could still out wrestle people. So you weren't up against that, the challenge of someone also being there with you kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. When did you notice that change? Um, probably like after my sophomore year of wrestling. That's when like the intensity and just the level rose in general. Yeah, just just going into that year because I just wanted to prove everyone wrong that I'm not like a crackhead that I can still go win nationals like everyone predicted me to do. And what did it feel like when you started to do that? Um, it was wonderful. It just sucks that I had to keep going back to court for the cop situation and the drugs. And I ended up having to drop out of school. And I went to pretty much started wrestling after that. Stopped wrestling and started fighting. Wait, so I'm not I'm not familiar with this part. So what do you mean you had this just like it drew out for a while and you had to stop? Yeah, training? I had to keep I had to keep going back and forth for court while I was trying to compete at wrestling. And then eventually I just, I just had to just stop completely. You get back into wrestling and at, at what point did you know, okay, I'm a, I'm a good wrestler. I'm dominant. I'm athletic. I'm competing with these guys. When did you know that you wanted to pursue mixed martial arts and ultimately um, I, UFC? I always, I always wanted to fight, but I wasn't sure about it hundred percent. But after I died that night, I knew I was supposed to fight. So I just wanted to go back to school, win a national title, because it's easier to get in bigger promotions that way. Uh, but like I said, it, things didn't work out, and I feel like I was trying to get used to help a school win a national title instead of getting getting in and out like I wanted to. Yeah. So that's when I quit wrestling and I started fighting in 2017. Damn. And so you went on um, – you had like a pretty amazing run. in a, it, it, it was a local fight promotion, right? At Front Street Fights was a Washington promotion. Uh, that's Idaho, but I used to fight at And something, so something interesting happened there. You amended a loss against Tyron Henderson in that promotion, right? Uh, no, um, I beat him and then I fought him again. I snapped my leg like Anderson Silva. Holy shit. What did that, I mean, what did that feel like? Instantaneous. It felt like I got tased in the leg. I was like, <laughs> it felt like I got tased in the leg. I was like, oh, that can't be good. And obviously, instantaneously, the fight was over. No, I, I took him down with a double leg. <laughs> no way. Yeah. I mean, fearless doesn't, I, maybe fearless doesn't really describe you. It's something else. I mean, that's insane. I, I, I was just thinking this. Um, if I can get a finish on a broken leg, I get signed directly to the UFC. And so what happened? <laughs> the ref saw I had to, like, once I took him down, he kind of got back up and I couldn't keep my balance. So I had yeah. to get under the leg under his crotch and I had to tell the ref my leg was broke. <laughs> While you're underneath? Yeah, trying to get under. I was like, oh, my leg's broke. <laughs> what, what did he say? Oh, he stopped. They stopped the fight. Damn. Was there part of you? It won't, obviously, you want to keep going there, right? always damn so in your in your last fight you know i went back i obviously watched it live um i think there's <laughs> there's like two fighters in the ufc whose stock goes up 
on a loss. It's like you and Nate Diaz. Like I watched that fight and I wanted after that fight, I wanted to watch your next fight more than I wanted to watch that fight because (laughs) I just felt like there was like unfinished business. I mean, obviously it didn't go your way in the end, but dude, you can't, you just, I don't know. You look like a fucking problem in there. Like it was insane. You threw those knees like out of nowhere. I mean, they almost looked like you were just going to switch your stance. And then a knee comes up. You can see in uh, Drew Dober's eyes, like he's obviously not even looking down like you're about to throw it. He throw the same thing again to knock him down the second time. Do you train that kind of stuff? Like, is that something that you work on kind of all the time? Is that something you had special for that fight? Because that's crazy athleticism. Yeah, we trained that on Monday. I just, you know, watching it live, even I'm like, what just happened? Cause it almost, it just was so fast. It was so quick. It was hidden so well. I thought you were going to throw a jab and then your knee just comes up out of nowhere. Same speed, same power, same everything. That's, did you come up with that or your coaches come up with that? Um, well, they knew I could do it. They should try it out. And then like, we like mastered in like a few days and I was like, all right, I'm about to hit this this week. <laughs> Well, I mean, hit it indeed. You did. When that happens, you know, as someone who does not do this professionally, right? Like I can only imagine your adrenaline and your excitement goes through the roof instantaneously. What did it feel like for you when you connected on that first one? Um, It grazed them, but I was like, ooh, he didn't like it, though, even though it grazed them. And then I was like, and then I was like, oh, he's off balance. And I have like really good balance because wrestling. So, you know, he had my leg. It's like I'm standing on two. So I cracked him to the cage. I saw his whole face thing in the cage. And then I did a check hook to an uppercut. And I saw it just, I saw it just fold him. Yeah. I mean, what, what did you learn in that fight? What was your biggest takeaway there? Um, um, just if I have a person rocked, um, just start picking my shots and slow down. Not to, yeah, not to get aggressive and rush in like that. But I don't yeah, know. I just Yo, saw but, that he didn't like no, the power. At the, at the same time, what if it didn't go that way? You know, like how close were you? You'll never know, you know? Um, I just, in the ref was pretty ass. I'm not going to lie. I don't think really? I ever have that Keith Peterson ref me again, to be honest. So you, you think that there was a moment in there when he should have stopped it? Um, also, like, uh, you remember when, like, he decided to give me my mouth guard? At yeah, that end, yeah like, that was so weird. To his face. That yeah. was terrible, bro. That was the worst thing I ever seen in my life. I had to calm down because you guys know I like to be respectful, but I almost <laughs> lost my school right there. I was like, bro, he was, I had him dead the right there. He made me miss out on five free punches. Drew Dober was so rocked right there. And he wanted to not only give me a, the mouth guard way later, but walk me all the way to the end of the cage. Given, given when, so, given when that happened, so recovery. when that happened, I was, I was actually really confused. I thought there was, I thought there was, was like an eye poke or like, something. What? Yeah. I was like, what the heck? And, and they also, you never, I've, well, I mean, I don't know. I haven't watched every single UFC fight ever, but watched a hell of a lot of them. I've never seen them open the cage door. So when he went over and opened the door, I was like, what I, I, I figured they were bringing in medical staff that one of you guys got eye poked. 
And then they put the mouth guard. And I was like, that's kind of weird. Usually they don't, they like wait till the end of the round or whatever. How, like, <laughs> what did you want to say? How about that? What did you want to say? I was like, dude, I was like, I was like, what do you do when you idiot? You let them recover. Cause you right feel- there, I had, I had like five free shots. So I promise you, I think I could have got the done, got the job done. If you would just shut my mouth guard right in right there. And then be like, fight. Right. So, all right. Let, I mean, let's think about this, right? And he could have gave it to me when I was on the bottom, on top of him. I was like, that was like, that, that's the only thing and that was awful. And then, like, he never gave me no warning. He just stopped the fight. I was never hurt right there. The knee right. landed on my chest, and I didn't even really feel it. It barely touched me. And then, like, he landed one or clean, one or two shots when I was on bottom. You see, so it, it seems at this point, like, are, are you pretty frustrated with that? There's obvious frustration, right, with the loss. But like, are you yeah, are exists, you accepting of this yeah, and moving I'm, on from? I'm it? accepting the defeat, and we're just gonna get the next opponent. And I feel sorry for whoever I have to fight now. <laughs> well, like Go I ahead. said, I mean, I I can't wait for that one. It's <laughs> you know, you look at um, like what happened with the the crazy night, the overdose, coming back from that. Here's another upset in life, right? your mindset's obviously tuned up to deal with this kind of shit. Like you are, it's, it's weird, man. Like sometimes a fighter will come along and it just feels like they're destined to achieve whatever the fuck they want. And I don't know what it is about you. Maybe it's, it's how amazing the story is, but it just feels like one day you're going to wear the belt. Like it just, I don't know what it is. It just feels that way. But your division is tough as goddamn nails, right? When you look up at the top of the division, the Gaethje's and the Oliveras, how, what do you think has to evolve from where you are today to have that strap put around your waist and keep it there? Just to be able to go uh, 25 minutes straight hard. But even then, I like honestly, I don't think if I can go 15 minutes hard, I can finish any of those guys. So you think it's just a, it sounds like. 15, 15 minutes of full power turns. I don't think anyone's surviving that. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to make an argument against that. You're, <laughs> the, dude, the power is something else, man. I mean, when you land, even in, in your UFC debut, like one, two down, done. I mean, the power that you possess in your hands is it's pretty interesting. How, where does that come from? Like, because that's not, you can't, how, you can't train that into someone. That's like an innate thing. And which is interesting because your background is as a wrestler, right? Like you're not striking in wrestling. How do you line up this kind of power against people? Um, I think it's just technique. And I just got, I just really know how to like, my body body mechanics like i know how to really like put my whole body and everything to where i like i feel every muscle in my body when i'm punching someone yeah i mean you it looks uh it looks effortless to some degree right like you, even those the strike that i was talking about with this knee like it it didn't look like it was the most aggressive angry knee that anyone's ever thrown but it was the quickness with which you switched your feet and the way it landed I didn't expect him to get straight up. I didn't expect him to go down. Drew's a tough guy, right? He's never been put away. The fact that it rocked him like that. How long have you been aligning yourself with that kind of power? 
I just always been like a very powerful like human being like for my weight like always with wrestling like always never the biggest guy but I always had like incredible strength it's like something that God blessed me with that's why I told you like back in the day I used to take the speed and stuff for granted it made me get lazy sometimes and complacent what is your so I'm a trainer by trade and a, a coach or a skier when I was growing up. So training has been a big part of my life ever since I was a kid. What does your, like an average week look like when you're out of camp? What kind of like strength uh, training probably, are you doing? I'm not doing too much. I'll probably just be training. Like I'll probably do strength and conditioning probably like twice a week. And then the rest is just one practice a day. Like pretty mellow just to be able to recover and stay healthy. Yeah. And then when you get in camp, how does that change? Probably two to three practices a day. And what about specifically the strength training? Uh, probably like four days a week. Okay. But even that, like, so your this power isn't coming from your strength training. No, that's just God given. Man, I love that. It's, uh, it's, it's interesting as an outsider, like you would think that the way to do that is to just make the body stronger. Like, deadlift more weight, squat more weight, press more weight. But that's not where the power is in, in mixed martial arts. It's just a lot of core stuff, you know? Yeah. Like, I'd probably do, like, out of shape, like, 27 pull-up straight, just out of shape. <laughs> You're a beast, man. So <laughs> <laughs> who do you, like, who do you want next? How, what kind of exclamation point do you want to put on on the division and, like, how do you want this next year to go? Cause you're in an interesting position, right? Obviously on a different road than if you'd won the fight, you win the fight, it goes a different trajectory. Uh, you have to obviously take a step back now in opponent probably, but yeah, I mean, your determination is to the top, no matter how you cut it, it doesn't matter. So like, what do you want to see your next year look like? How does this unfold for you? Uh, I want to get uh, three more fights and that'll put me at five on a year and I'd like to go get three more wins before the year ends and be top 10 in the UFC. So you're going into 2023, top 10, and then you start picking your way through that to get to the belt. Yes, sir. I think we know the necessary adjustments, and I can't wait to show you guys that. It's just a few mental mistakes there uh, and utilize my energy better, and we'll get that done next fight. What kind of things do you want to accomplish outside of the ring? That don't uh, have to just, do with martial arts. Just uh, help as many youth as I can and then uh, show people that God's the way. So bringing in people as God as I can as well. Maybe we can talk about that for a second. So I'm like, I'm not a, a, a very religious person. I didn't grow up in a, a religious family. And I've always been fascinated by faith because people that are religious, it's a very big staple in their life. Um, my brother is a devout Catholic at this point. What, like, what role does that play in your day-to-day and how much of this life, where you are, where you were, where you're headed, do you credit to your faith or, or not to it? I give it a hundred percent credit to, to God, you know, every day I think, um, you know, I'm not saying you got to go to church, but definitely develop your own relationship with God if you can. But I try to pray every day because, 
like I said, I, I could have been dead or I could have been in jail for years. This this whole this whole picture could have been gone like seven different ways, you know. So when you think about the night that it all, this is where I get curious, like the night that that all happened, would you, you would say that it was God that did that to you in the first place, right? But, of course. Then, but then in my heart, I'm like, so why, but why would someone all knowing, all powerful do that to somebody? It's because I have to go through those trials so I can share that story with you guys today and help people heal. You know, anyone that was having drug problems, anyone that felt alone, my story is here to show them that they're not. So, like, I had to do this so I can have this story in the UFC so so I can help people out there who are struggling. And so Everything do you feel, had to happen this way. So do you feel gratitude towards that experience now at this point in your life? Yes, because I see it helping people tremendously. And there's nothing on feels better than knowing that you help someone and them telling you, thank you, man. Like I needed that today. When you do this outreach, like, is that the message that you try to convey to, to the kids is like, Hey, you know, you're, there's always someone there that loves you. There's always someone there that cares about you and you can get through this or, or like, what kind of messages do you try to that and making sure these kids Know that to never give up on the dream and not to laugh at someone else's dream just because it doesn't look like yours. If you were an X Man, which one would you be? Uh, the Beast. <laughs> Why is that? Because I'm really smart, but I'm also a beast, like when I gotta be. And uh, at, at the day that you wear this belt when you envision that what does your life look like your family your friends the opponents in the road that you've gotten there who is terrence that day compared to today um just a guy that uh people can look up to a guy that puts family before everything a guy that shows you that you got to put pleasure before business i mean business before pleasure right <laughs> and not fall into temptation because uh to be great it comes with sacrifices do you ever struggle with that at this point in your life like those i would imagine the bigger you get the more successful you get the more things you accomplish the more yes men are going to try to surround themselves around you you know and 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 blow you up and and promote you and everything and with that i would imagine also the, the temptations increase, right? Because things yeah. become more available to you. The, the drugs are more available. The parties are bigger. They're at better houses. The cars are faster, all this kind of thing. With your past experience, like, are you worried about that at all? Do you, do you think about that? And how do you plan on staying on the road that you're on, even when those things start to arise in the future? Because they will, right? Yeah, of course. And that's why I got to stay right with God, man. And because I know things could easily go back to the way they were. That's why I stay humble. That's why I stay in the gym. And that's why you guys see me right back home after my fight, doing doing the necessary things. I got. I can celebrate later in life, but until my goals are done, uh, there's no time to be having fun. Well, Terrence, uh, you're an inspiration, man. It, it's, I, 
I expected you to be humble, but the fact that you're here taking time out of your day to do this stuff, it proves it. You know, you're a genuine real person. And like, it's been, it's been so cool to be able to sit down and chat with you. So yeah, you go likewise. Megaphone to the world. What's the message that you want to send out? Uh, kids that are listening, enthusiasts in martial arts, anyone out there, your, your message to them. Um, just don't let anyone tell you your dream uh, isn't possible. Um, make sure you get the right support team around you. If they're not supporting you, feel free to cut them off. Don't don't read into what people are saying. If they if they're not doing something that's benefiting you, just cut them off. Simple as that. Don't even reply, and just continue to grind, man. The best revenge is success. So, don't be the night. Well, I I was gonna end it there, but you said something interesting, and I'd love to hear your piece on this because I'm a big believer in this, of kind of like recognizing things as being negative or, or not positive for your life and cut it, cutting those people off is a really hard thing to do. It's a really hard thing to do to take friends or, or people that you perceive as friends and misalign yourself with them on purpose because they're not going the way that you want to go. How do you do that? Um, do you just got to love them for a distance? And that's what I had to figure out. Like, it's cool to text them, but like, if, if they, they ain't willing to make the sacrifices or they're telling you the stuff you're doing is goofy, then you just got to make the right adjustment and be willing to cut them off. Like, your future is not worth that negative energy bringing you down. The more leases you have, the, the harder it is to walk up that mountain. So we got to shake them off. Dude, I, not only is that true, I, I love that. That is... Uh... My, it's funny. I was talking to my, I, I had a conversation with my father. He's been sober for 10 years and he had to do this exact thing. He had, he at this point where like, there's people in your life that are always going to try to bring you back to that spot that you were. And you have relationships and love and friendship and stuff that's around that. It's like a, a system that all supports that same stuff. And letting go of those people is the hardest thing you're going to have to do sometimes because that's your life. That's your social circle. It's your everything you do day to day, what you eat and breathe. But I love what you said to love them from a distance. That's not something that I would typically think as a solution. How, how do you practice that though? Um, like I said, I'll FaceTime, um, whatever, but like they say, um, it's lonely at the top, you know, um, if there was a case, everyone else would be rich. Um, and like, like God says, like I, everyone's not supposed to be taken with, with me on this journey. So, um, everything got to be chosen correctly. Every, everything, everything has to be looked at like a chess piece. I got to look at does, does this belong on the board and does it not? Well, you're very aware. You're humble, smart, powerful as all hell. I'm really excited to watch your next fight, man. And, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to do this, Terrence. I really appreciate no problem, it. Man. No problem, man. The pleasure is mine, man. And God bless, man. And continue to be doing great things, brother. Absolutely. You've been listening to the Main Idea Podcast. 
profiling pros within the health, wellness, and sports industries. It's real and raw discussions about how real people lean on themselves to accomplish great things. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We know we had fun. Make sure to like, rate, and review the show. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media. Till next time, this is the Main Idea Podcast. Listen, Listen, learn, learn, evolve. evolve.